welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thanks, Pastor Owen. Yeah, it is very timely transition indeed. Thanks, Steph. You're amazing. You are such an encourager. Give her... Um, yeah, and just before we do get into it uh, today, and we are talking about prayer, just finishing off our devoted series, just wanted to say a huge thank you to uh, our little church family that we have here for the messages of support and encouragement and care and all sorts of things that we've had this week um, as a family being connected with MacArthur Anglican. Um, it's been a difficult week. Keep praying for the family. Keep praying for all of the kids involved and for the teachers, the whole school community. So, um, yeah, we've really appreciated that. So thank you. Um, so I want to just do a little bit of recap of where we've been on this Devoted series. We, this, this four weeks that we've been talking about being a church devoted to things in church life is based around Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says that the church, the people, the gathering of, of people who came together devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We heard about that. We're reading the word. We're getting into the word. That's what your little word cards, your Bible reading cards are for. Encourage each other in that too. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter if you're doing a verse a day or every reading a day. Just get into the word in some way. So they devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Isn't that an old school word? word? Fellowship. <laughs> but really all that means is connection, community, public getting together, not just a private thing. We heard about that. It's not just our private world. It's, it's our getting together as community. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. We heard Pastor Rowan sharing on that last week and, and we shared communion together. That means, uh, but also they shared meals. They shared the communion meal. They shared their homes together. And then today they were talking about that they devoted themselves to prayer or actually to the prayers. It was kind of a plural word. Now, if we, we talk about that in, we, we take it all the way back to the context of, of when this, uh, this was written, the, the book of Acts was written, this concept of the prayers, you know, they lived in a Jewish society. Most of the early Christians were Jews. And so they were used to very daily prayer at, in the morning, at noon, and in the evening, and all the times in between, there was prayers, there was pre-made prayers for almost any kind of circumstance or any time of the day. So prayer in itself was not a new concept to them as a community. But there was also this extra element of them doing it together as, as a community, but also this, this kind of, this has devoted themselves to it. There was a change in the way that they oriented themselves towards prayer. So we want to talk about that a little bit today. And you know what? There's so many definitions out there about what prayer is and what prayer is meant to look like. And I just want to break it down into really, really simple today. Who likes really, really simple? <laughs> I do. So prayer is just how we communicate to God and how we commune with God. How we commune just means hang out. How we hang out with God. How we communicate to God and how we hang out with God. I just want to break it down to that today. 
So we are going to do things a little bit different today. I'm just going to share a short message and then actually we're going to get a chance to get super practical about prayer and about talking about prayer. We're actually going to break up into some small groups. Now, before all the introverts all of a sudden have to go to the bathroom and check on the kids and get out of this room, it's okay. <laughs> and it's not going to be anything that freaks you out. You don't have to participate at all in, in the discussion. You can just hang around and listen to, to people who are super easy. There's no test. Don't be scared, okay? <laughs> I know sometimes we just come to church and we're like, just talk at me and then I want to just leave. Today, we're going to actually get into some small groups and do some life together and talking it out together. But please don't freak out. Um, and we'll have something sorted for the kids. I think Pastor Ron's going to take the kids up outside youth and they're going to have a little play outside. So parents, don't freak out either that you're like, how are we going to do small groups and have our kids in the room? Um, we'll work that out for you. So I want to start by asking you, what is your experience of prayer? What is your experience of prayer? You know, mine in my life has looked very different at different times in my Christian journey. Um, as a kid, prayer was um, definitely part of my world, um, but it seemed to centre around kind of different formulas or acronyms for prayer. Who's ever come across that? Where you had the, the PRAY acronym, you know, the P-R-A-Y, where it might stand for Praise, repent, ask, and yield, which for a kid means nothing, can I say? <laughs> like you sit down and, yeah. But anyway, there was structure. I learned that there was kind of these things that you had to move through as, as you prayed, and there was some kind of formula for it. And look, as a kid, it worked. It helped me to, to come before God, and, but there was a lot of talking at God. It was just like I had to move through the checklist of what I had to do. I went through times, and I'm probably still in this place, where prayer for me now is actually quite conversational. It's, it's like I'd be sitting down and talking to a friend about something. Um, but that in itself comes with some complications, because I found that when I was in a group of people that were praying together, all of a sudden, everyone seems to put on a little bit more formal words, or I don't know, it just seems a little bit more like they had it together when it came to prayer. And I'm like, me and God are just like, hey, God, just hanging out. Like it's, and then all of a sudden in prayer, it seemed a bit inauthentic to me to pray in a group because it felt really structured and formal and like we had to be on our best behavior or something. I don't know, but sometimes I struggled with that and, and still do sometimes. Um, Sometimes there's been, there's been times in my life where prayer has just been nothing more than help me or why, God. Nothing more than that. There's been times when I haven't even had those words where it's just been me going, I just, I've got nothing, God. I've got nothing. We just, just hang out together. And sometimes that's been because I just enjoyed his company. Sometimes that's because I really had nothing left in the tank and just needed to hang out with God. Um, sometimes and very often I fall asleep in prayer. Who's with me? Mm -hmm. Look at some of you are like laughing. Others are like, we allowed to say that? We allowed to say we fall asleep in prayer? Sometimes I've fallen asleep in prayer. A lot of the times I get really distracted in prayer. I start off really well and then two minutes later I'm like, God, what were we talking about again? Like, because now I've done my shopping list. I've worked out what I have to do next, next week. I can't, I'm all over the place. I've thought about something else. Um, sometimes I get interrupted 
in prayer. We've all probably been there. In particular, I look up the back, all these young mums up the back, you try and put a string of one sentence out loud together, let alone like in prayer in a quiet time with God. That's like, seem, might seem like a, a long time ago <laughs> that that might have happened. Um, so there's been times where I've focused my prayer. I haven't had the words, but I've focused my prayer on scripture. So today we're going to be talking about what we call the Lord's Prayer. So sometimes there's been periods of time where that's, I would just go through the Lord's Prayer every single day. And that God would, after a while, draw things out of that for me. Um, other, other types of scripture. Psalm 23 has been a, a big one in my life of just praying. Psalm 23. Psalms are basically a whole book of prayers. If you ever know, don't know what to say, open the Psalms and see which one kind of, you know, resonates with you and pray that to God. So I wonder what your prayer life looks like or if you even have one. And I want to say, if you don't, it's okay. Like that, Feel okay about saying that here today. We're all talking about the different ways that prayer can look. Is it something that it brings you life? Do you just find it weird, prayer? What words come to mind when you think about prayer? Maybe it's words like duty or guilt or that it's dry or it's boring or it's, I'm distracted, but maybe for you it might be words like it's intimate or peace or power or strength or maybe even silence. Prayer can look like all of those things. What are we supposed to do in prayer? Have you ever thought about that? What are we supposed to do in prayer? Are we meant to have our eyes shut? Can we have our eyes open? Is that allowed? Where in the Bible does it say that? Is it that we, when we're together and we pray together, are we supposed to pray one at a time or can we all pray at the same time? Are we supposed to listen to each other's prayers or is it, I remember when we were on one of our Thailand trips and every Thailand time that they pray together, it's everyone all in. I imagine it's probably, is it similar when you guys have been overseas as well? Everyone's just all in and at first it was like, wow, like we're not like taking turns to do prayer. And, but it, what's, what's the rules around prayer? Do we just, uh, are we supposed to just know what to do or are we supposed to learn how to pray? Do we have to start our prayers like a letter or a journal entry going, dear God, and then somehow we say everything we want and then send it off into the cosmic mail of that God will receive it and answer us back? I don't know. What words should we use? If you struggle with prayer, I want us to do, if you've struggled sometime in your life with prayer, I want you to know it's super normal if you've struggled with prayer. And I want to know if we can do something brave. And even if you're online, maybe you can use the little, like put up a little hand in the chat. Put up your hand if you have ever struggled with prayer and keep it up. Now I want you to look around, okay? And that's not just to, you know, make people feel weird, but I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone if you have struggled with prayer along the way. There's a quote from St. Teresa of Avila, who was a, a nun in the 15th century, who wrote lots about prayer. And she said, when it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. When it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, which for some of you may be a really familiar passage. It is the Lord's Prayer. But I hope today that we can get some fresh understanding, some fresh revelation, and some fresh experiences around this prayer. 
So let's have a look at it. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. It says, Now it came to pass, as he, that's we're talking about Jesus, was praying in a certain place. I'm just going to pause there. So it came to pass when Jesus was praying in a certain place. So Jesus being in a place of prayer was something that Luke talks about quite a lot. If you read the whole Gospel of Luke, it's something that he likes to point out, that Jesus was in prayer a lot, that he um, withdrew for prayer, often went off to lonely places or places by himself. Sometimes he prayed all night long. Sometimes he would take his disciples to pray. But Jesus had this regular rhythm in his life of prayer. And he would have, as a Jew, he would have had these regular prayers that he prayed uh, at certain times of the day. But he also seemed to have this personal prayer life with God that went beyond that. So it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So I just want to pause there again. Do you know that this is the only time recorded in any of the Gospels where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something? The only time. So think about everything that Jesus did. He was healing people, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was wise with people who were being jerks, he was doing all this stuff... And this is the only thing that the disciples asked him to teach them. What is with that? What, what, why do you think that is? There was something that they saw in Jesus that they wanted a piece of. There was something that they saw came out of the prayer life of Jesus that they said, I want a piece of that. Whatever it is that you're doing in that time, however it is that you're praying, it looks different to what we're used to. Remember, most of these guys in the, the, the little group of disciples, they were pretty used to prayer, most of them. There was something different about it that they wanted and that they saw that the power of Jesus' public life came out of what he was doing in this private time that this source of who Jesus was and his wisdom and the ability to stand firm in really hard times and to persevere all came out of this source of prayer that Jesus had. So they said, we want what you've got. Teach us, God. Teach us how to pray. And so he said to them, we'll go on in verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Does that sound familiar to a lot of people? This was kind of one of the first lots of scripture that even as a kid I memorized. And so for years and years I've been able to repeat this back. And I think sometimes we can just do that and forget to think about what the passage is about. And there's so much that we can pull out of this. But for today I just want to focus on one thing and how Jesus was teaching his disciples in this. And I think that it comes down to Jesus was teaching them their orientation in prayer how to be oriented before God in prayer. 
And I think there's four things that Jesus taught his disciples in this space. So the first one, Jesus was teaching them that God is Father. Now, for some, of that, for some of us, that can actually be a really difficult image or a difficult metaphor to embrace. You know, I know some of you may not have good relationships with your fathers. For some of you, that brings up an image of someone who was distant or authoritarian or only pays attention to you when you've done something right or has high standards or lacks emotional expression or, or lacks demonstrations of love. And from that, sometimes we can have this false image that we then project towards God as Father. And I wonder, what image comes to mind as you think of what Jesus was teaching his disciples when he says, our Father? And I think it's helpful for us as we're looking more into, well, what was Jesus trying to get at? It's helpful for us to go beyond those sometimes false images that we can have in our mind and maybe look at what Jesus was trying to say about this relationship. The word that Jesus actually used here was, is, is translated in our Bibles as father. It seems quite formal, doesn't it? Father. I don't call my father father, except when I'm trying to be formal. I'm like, hey, father. <laughs> but Jesus wasn't being formal either. He was using the word Abba which actually means dad, means daddy even. It was this term of endearment. And it was a new and revolutionary way to talk to God. Nowhere else in Jewish history prior to that really was God referred to in prayer as Abba, with this closeness. So what was it meant to represent? Jesus was describing God as dad, as someone with a welcoming heart, as a welcoming heart with good intentions and good will towards those who came to him in prayer. We've just sung about that, that good, good father. It's almost like we could sing that good, good dad, someone with a welcoming heart and good intentions towards us. God, at church, this is how God is oriented towards you. This is how God is oriented towards you as you come to him in prayer. This way of praying that Jesus is teaching his disciples and teaching us can bring healing to our false images of who God is and how he's oriented towards us. So God is Father. The second thing that he teaches us is that he is close. He says, our Father who is in heaven. What do you think of when you think of heaven? Most people would think about a place you go when you die or some future reality. We've talked a lot about that in our church over a, little, over a little while, and that's partly true. But in this prayer, that's not what Jesus was referring to. The Greek word for heaven, and I use the Greek word because that's what it was translated as, is oranos. It means the heavens. It's actually a plural word, the heavens. And it literally means the air or the atmosphere around you. So in other words, Jesus was saying, our Father in the air. Our Father in the air. Now, he didn't mean up there in the air, up there in the atmosphere or outer space or floating around in, in the sky. We might say, oh, the, the balloon goes up in the air. We meant that it went up. 
Jesus wasn't referring to that. He was saying that God is, is so close. He's as close to you as the air that you feel on your skin, the air that you breathe in, the air that's even in your blood. God is that close. John Mark Homer, who's a guy that I love to listen to preach, he describes this line of the, the prayer as our Father who is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Closer to us than we are to ourselves. And when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I actually say that line. Our Father who is closer to me than I am to myself. Because it helps me get that image of a God who is not just up there, in outer space, kind of we fly our prayers up there and hope that something lands. But he's closer to me than I am even to myself in the air that is literally touching my skin. The third thing Jesus teaches his disciples is that in prayer we can enjoy God's company. There's the line that says, hallowed be your name. How many of you have used the word hallowed in your vocabulary this week? If you have, I'm impressed. (laughs) It's not really something that we say very often, is it? Hallowed, be your name. Again, it sounds so formal, doesn't it? What it means is to revere and to respect the holiness of God. And some of you say, well, that doesn't get me any closer to understanding what that means. What does it mean to revere and respect the holiness of God? Now, to be holy means to be set apart, to be unique, to be special and beautiful. In this prayer, God wants us to experience his holiness, his beauty, his uniqueness, and he wants us to enjoy that. You know those people in your life who you just want to be around? You just want to hang around them because of how awesome they are. That is what God wants for us in prayer with him. That's what Jesus was saying. We sang about it in the first prayer, in the first song. You know, that he's awesome. There's nothing, there's no one like God. That is what God wants us to experience in prayer, to really come to know him, that there is no one more awesome than he is. And that we want to hang around him. We want to be around him. You know, I know for a lot of my prayer life, It's been me asking God for things. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should ask God for things. God says, ask me for stuff. (laughs) And we should do that. God definitely invites us to bring our worries and our, our requests to him. But sometimes upon reflection, I could probably see God like a big cosmic Santa in the sky, you know, going through your checklist of requests and and hoping that he's going to kind of come through on that. And I think for most of us, we're drawn towards prayer to ask him for things. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But we want to get things from him that really we feel that we need in order to make us happy or peaceful or complete. We're drawn to prayer when things aren't going great. And what this shows us and what this has shown me in my own life is that we're still searching for happiness outside of God. We're still searching for happiness in the things that we ask for and not finding happiness in the one that we're asking. God himself may yet to become our happiness and our joy and our completeness. You know, this is the journey of prayer. 
And I think that Jesus is saying to us, as we say, hallowed be your name, we might not be feeling like that. Sometimes we might be praying and we're like, God, I know I'm supposed to think that being with you and hanging with you is the most awesome thing, but I'm not feeling that. I'd actually rather be hanging with my mates right now, or I'd rather be watching something on TV right now, or I'd rather be doing something else right now. This journey of being able to say, hallowed be your name, God, you are the most awesome thing that I could be hanging out with at the moment, is a journey. It's a journey. Coming to know our source of enjoyment and peace and happiness despite everything else is something that Jesus wanted for his disciples and that's what he wants for us. So the fourth thing that teaches us, that Jesus teaches us about prayer is that our prayers do make a difference. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In teaching us to ask for this, Jesus was acknowledging in that moment that his kingdom hadn't come and that God's will wasn't done in that moment. It was in part, yes, it was in part coming. And again, we've talked a lot about this concept. I'm not going to unpack that much more here today. So in part, yes. But it also assumed that in prayer that we could partner with God and that we could change things along the way, that we could drag this future reality of God's kingdom into the here and now. And Jesus was saying, you can do that. Because I think for a lot of, particularly in the Jewish culture then, they kind of said, God, whatever will happen, will happen. You know, that whatever will be, will be. And Jesus was teaching them yes and no. Your prayers make a difference. Pray that you can bring the kingdom of God into the here and now. So I wonder if those four things that Jesus teaches, we've only gone through half the prayer and we're going to stop there. (laughs) Those four things are different to what you commonly see as prayer. We can see God as a dictator or an authoritarian or a vending machine in in prayer, but Jesus teaches us that our God has a welcoming heart and good intentions toward you and wants to be with us. We could see God as far away, as distant, up in the sky or in outer space, but Jesus says, no, he's as close as the air around you. We can approach prayer to kind of manage our symptoms of our circumstances or a way to get what we want to to make us happy in our circumstances, but Jesus teaches that prayer is to delight in God as the only source of our happiness, despite our circumstances. We can think that prayer doesn't really change things, that what will be will be, but Jesus teaches us that prayer really does make a difference and that we can partner with God to change things in our own world and in the world around us. So I wonder, is that maybe refreshed or changed the way that you look at prayer today? So we're actually going to have an opportunity to discuss that just to talk about that and we as we break up into our groups and I'm going to ask the gathering leaders and if you're online um, we're going to have these questions up as well so you can go through these questions uh, at home as well but we're going to have our gathering leaders just at different parts different places around the room Um, so if you're in a gathering already you can go towards your gathering leader but they're not going to be offended if you choose a different group that's fine but for those of you who aren't in the gathering It's okay, you're not going to get left out. Just go towards a group. We've got Brian and Rosalie here. We've got Mara and Jake up the back, up the back there. 
We've got Jimmy's going to be up in this back corner with the, the young adults or the young at heart. Furtcos are just here in the middle. Um, and then anyone who's in our group will kind of hang around up here. Um, so you can go towards, towards that. And I want to encourage you. We're going to go through some questions here. I'll just quickly read the questions. What's a word that comes to mind when you think of prayer? I want you to be honest. Okay, it doesn't have to be all like holier than thou, prayer ninja, you know, I'm awesome at prayer. You might be, that's great. But if you want to say prayer is boring and weird, please feel free to say that. It's totally okay. What challenges do you come up against in prayer? It might be your season in life. It might be that you're just not sure what to do. It might be that prayer is quite dry for you. And then if you feel comfortable, and please don't feel obliged to, but if you feel comfortable, share a time when prayer was very real to you. Because I think hearing stories from other people is just a great way to encourage each other in that. So I want to encourage you, don't, again, don't be stressed out. Um, you don't have to speak a word if you don't want to. But I wanted just to leave us with this quote before we break up into our groups. It says, there's no bad way to pray and no single starting point for prayer. The spiritual masters offer one non-negotiable rule. You just have to show up and pray regularly. Everything else is negotiable and respects your unique experiences. How cool is that? Everything else is negotiable. Just show up. Just show up to pray. So, Pastor Rowan, are you cool to take the kids out for a play? Kids, are you ready for a play out in the playground? You want to go up for a bit of a play? Oh, yep, do it. that's important. Do a toilet stop on the way. If you're online, please take some time uh, to, you know, take a screenshot of these questions and then we'll be ending our live stream. For those of you left in the room, what time are we at? We're at just on five o'clock. So we're going to take about the next 20 minutes. We're going to be doing these questions together and then your groups will be just facilitating some prayer, which they are going to lead. You don't have to say anything. And then we're going to be taking communion together. And when you're finished, um, please feel free just to exit out to our cafe. So the cafe won't be open because we want our cafe people to enjoy this too. It won't be open before 20 past four. Okay, so at least 20 minutes. 20 past five. That's right. You guys knew where I was. It was just for our Queensland viewers. Just letting you know. Um, 20 past five. So you've got time. If you take longer than that in your group, that is totally fine. But if you're finished and you want to exit out to the cafe, please be mindful of other groups that are still praying and talking together. We're going to have some music on so that our music team can just enjoy and be part of this as well. Um, but let's have a little chat. And then when we're done, we're not coming back. We're not closing off the service together. Finish it in your groups and then you can enter out and, and have a cup of tea, talk about your experiences of prayer, continue the discussion out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You always will be